You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. week's episode of the USCA official podcast listeners is going to be looking back on the ECP symposium and talking a little bit more about coaching as a whole in US eventing. And I have got two excellent guests lined up to guide us through not everything that happened at the symposium, uh, but also talk a little bit more generally around coaching and the incredible work that is being done to help drive the sport forward. So I will start with a lady who has been described as a dynamo, uh, none other than Jennifer Howlett-Russo, who is on the USEA Board of Governors. She is VP of Education for the USEA. She's a licensed official, a judge, basically listeners, an absolute all-round legend for US eventing. Uh, Jennifer, thank you for coming back on the show. You're so welcome, Nicole. It's great to be back. It is very good to have you. Uh, you are alongside listeners. We've got a fellow British accent on the podcast, which I'm delighted by, uh, but he is firmly based on US soil. It is none other than Robin Walker. Robin, thank you very much. And thank you for sharing uh, Dynamo. Herculean effort is something else you use to describe Jennifer as well. Um, but we are delighted equally to have you with us too. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh... Yeah, that's, that's that's only the half of it. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit more generally about it. So I, I think we're going to come on to the ECP symposium and everything that happened this last week or so um, and give listeners you a little bit more detail about just what, what it is and, and what happened and how perhaps you might be able to get involved in the future. But I think, first of all, coaching. It is such a wide topic. There are so many things we could talk about. Um, and ultimately, everybody is striving to be better because ultimately, the better coaches that are available, the better coaching that is offered to people throughout the country, then it means the better standard that our sport can achieve and hopefully the safer it will be achieved along the line as well. And the Eventing Coaches Committee is a massive part of that in US eventing. So first of all, um, Robin, just give us an overview of the committee, how it's set up, the dynamic and how it works. Well, we were uh, we were put together in the early 2000s. Um, I got involved because Mark Phillips, was, who was one of the uh, founding minds on this, uh, was doing a clinic in Michigan and advised me to get involved with this. I'd just uh, moved from England, bought the farm, was just getting going. So I go down to Virginia and get involved with all these people, um, Karen, David, Phyllis, Eric Horgan. I knew Eric from England. I'd seen Karen and David over in England. Not really. I'd seen Phyllis too. Not really. Didn't know her that well. Um, but that's how it happened. And I was invited to go on and, and do uh, the next level of uh, selection and ended up being invited to be on the faculty. Um, so we've been together now for a long, long time. And that has been a huge asset to me as co-chair of this committee. Um, the best analogy I can give you is I was just over at Christmas scene, mum and dad and took my wife, Kara, to Scotland. She wanted to see Loch Ness. And I didn't realize that Loch Ness holds as much fresh water as all the lakes in England and Wales combined, even though it's only 23 miles long. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the reason is because it's 900 feet deep. And we have people on our committee that are 900 feet deep um, in all aspects of organizing this. Jennifer 
is 900 feet deep in her work ethic and her dynamo attitude and her ability to keep us on in line and herd the cats. Um, Sharon Anthony has been the superb on the education side. Joan Simmons from um, uh, Pittsburgh has been there since the beginning. Um, Eric, Karen, David, Mary Darcy, she's coached Irish teams. She's She lives over here in Texas now. Um, we've got some new additions that have come along, but as a group, Jerry Shrink's been involved for a long time from up in Massachusetts. We've been together as a cohesive bunch and we get along. Uh, we have got along and that's how it's moved to this point because that depth of experience is is a huge asset for the discussions, for the conference calls, for the way forward, for, for um, how we're going to direct things. That's the best analogy I can give you, I think. Well, first of all, I love the Loch Ness analogy. And listeners, you learn something new every day. Um, that is going to be lodged as a fun fact in my brain. But I think you you totally hit the nail on the head when you talk about the kind of the amount of experience that you guys all have. And I think the everybody has different things that they bring to the table and different ideas. And you all kind of push and pull on each other in order to kind of find what you think will work best. But I think for me, the, the most exciting thing that everybody has is the passion for the sport and the passion to help see the sport get better and actually uh, we we spoke on the show nearly a year ago I think Jennifer in terms of talking about the the new eventing handbook through the levels that was released um, almost 12 months ago now and that was one of the kind of um fruits of the labor of the committee just tell us a bit about that and how the launch has gone and I guess what the goals were and are you seeing those starting to pull together now with nearly 12 months on? So uh, we're, we're beyond thrilled with how the handbook has been received. And I think the best example I can give you is that uh, on the first day of the symposium, uh, the, all of the coaches uh, and attendees broke into roundtable discussions about just dealing with um, how to how to uh, let riders know and understand what real expectations for their training program might look like. Realist, having realistic expectations for what their individual training program might look like. Every single group, and we had, I don't know, 10 or 12 groups, every single group pointed to the handbook as one of the most useful tools they had in their toolbox for speaking with riders about the training progression and uh, what kind of expectations they should have. So for me, that was total validation for the huge amount of work it took to do that thing. But uh, but uh, to hear all of these coaches say that that was the first thing they went to when they were having these discussions with riders um, was really um, really made us feel good about uh, about that project. I imagine that after the the huge amount of blood, sweat, tears, um, dedication, everything that went into creating a handbook, um, that actually to have everybody turn around and kind of go, no, do you know what? This is such a useful tool was an incredible, incredible compliment to you all and very, very well deserved. Um, just give us a quick overview. If anybody isn't familiar with the eventing handbook through the levels, just tell us what it is and what its aim is. So we uh, we wanted to start documenting the systematic progression of training horses and riders for eventing, and you know we have a very um, 
a very progressive scale of competition levels from the basic beginner starter level right up through the advanced level. And really, I thought, why don't we, why don't we, we have a very um, experienced committee with a lot of, as Robin has mentioned, 900 feet deep people. Uh, I'm a coach as well. And so I uh, can appreciate um, how that the that progressive way of looking at learning to event from the lowest to the highest level. Uh, yeah, it exists. We, there's nothing really new under the sun, but specific to us and our levels, uh, couldn't, there wasn't really anything out there. And that seemed like a good place to start as we were defining what coaches needed to be able to do. And so, uh, so down that road we went and we took a look at uh, the basics, the foundations, uh, the, the principles that, that were overarching, all coaching, and then delineated that by each level. So there is a section for each competition level in the United States, starter through advanced. And then each level is broken out into three sections by discipline. So dressage, show jumping, and cross country. And then each discipline is broken into three specific areas of coaching um, uh, bullets, if, if you will. The first area is position and aids. The second area is skills. And the third area is exercises that you need to be able to perform at that level. And we did that for every level, starter through advanced. Um, so it was, and, and because we have the depth of knowledge within our committee, all of our committee members are coaches, um, and, and, and our founding members are hugely, um, knowledgeable, um, coaches. And we, we did, we didn't stop there. We reviewed it with other coaches. We reviewed it with licensed officials. We reviewed it with, uh, all the different committees that might be implicated, safety, uh, professional riders. Um, and then we, and we took notes and, um, and even I had it, uh, read by some novice and beginner novice level riders to see whether or not it resonated with them. And, uh, we took those notes. We, we kept evolving. And after two years, we, you know, had this product, which we, as you know, launched really a year ago, um, this month. And so Sorry, now it's available to all USEA members on their on their dashboard. It's amazing. I was going to say, how how do people get hold of it? So go go onto your dashboard, go and search for it. You can download it. Um, and I think even though you know this is a brilliant tool for coaches, that actually as a rider or a competitor, whether you're amateur, professional, no matter what level you compete at, actually it's a really useful thing to read, to look at, and and this will give you a huge amount of. I think knowledge and um, understanding of what you are sort of looking to do for each of the levels. And speaking as somebody who loves to understand things and loves a list and kind of, you know, that sort of thing, it really resonates with me as well of being able to look at it and actually kind of break it down. Um, what about this year? Since since the, the handbook has been released, there's actually been um, the development of new workshops and assessment calendars. And, and Robert, I wanted to ask you about this because certification of coaches, how does it work and what are the new workshops and assessment options going to be and, and how can that influence, hopefully, building towards the bigger picture of you know better coaching for everybody? Well, the first thing we needed was a, was a formal structure. 
um, it, for years it ran along the lines of anybody could, and this still exists, anybody can organize a workshop um, under their own steam. Um, but COVID was a huge, uh, had a huge effect on all this. And, you know, we were getting, we were starting to get asked, you know, when are you getting going again? What's going to, what's going to happen? And um, where's it going to be? Um, what time of year? Um, so it was becoming increasingly evident that we needed some a more formal structure um, that could that people could centre around you know their activities. Um, when it came to the exams, um, if we've got any retesting to do, then that needed to be done in a formal situation too. Um, one of the big discussions behind the scenes before the during the creation of the workbook was that uh, was our perception as an industry and as a sport. Um, I've long since held that we are uh, guardians of our own sport um, all the time, no matter what we do, and and we need to be responsible about that. So to start to think down the road of um, a stable structure that could be guaranteed gives people time to plan, time to organize, time to accommodate that within whatever else they're doing, and gives them a gateway and a path that's readily explainable no different than the handbook which parents is one of the biggest things i think in this they can have expectations now uh about what their kids should be learning um is it happening um how far along are we plus it gives coaches uh a, a reference point that says well these are the skill sets we need we don't need to be going beyond this before we can do this we don't need to start running before we can walk so we felt that the whole thing knitted together. We create a stable structure that can be guaranteed and we create a stable pathway from the workshops, through the assessments, through continuing education, through retesting that becomes, you know, glued to the ground with concrete. I like the sound of that, glued to the ground with concrete. Um, so this is for the coaches. So the the handbook is for everybody, for coaches to know where people should be at, but for riders, parents, whoever it may all be, of it. To know where it's, they are as well. All of it. It's a huge reference point to this is what we should be doing at home. These are the skill sets we need. These are the standards before you end up. That was one of the That was one of the reasons this started, because still being an active rider and still being out there, and I, all of a sudden you start getting uh, restless would be the most diplomatic way to describe it. As you watch the sport develop and you're in the ring, you're getting ready for competition week in, week out. And you realize that our education is not keeping up with where the sport's going. Um, two examples I can think of there. Um, I watched half a class get demolished. I'm sat on a young horse in a in a in a novice class, and I watch half the class get demolished. Um, and then later on that winter, uh, another venue, I'm on another horse, and I watch the same thing happen. So you start to question, you know, what's going on? It, it, is it, are people not preparing, or is, is the sport getting too tough? Um, are the horses and riders not doing what they should be doing at home? Um, so. We started to discuss that quite strenuously inside our conference calls. And, you know, we've got to keep up, guys. The skill set's got to be be there for the level because look what we're seeing every weekend. Look what these, you know, look what's being built for us to jump. And when you roll that, you roll that all into one, into a big bowl, and you start looking in the bowl, sometimes what you see 
wasn't very nice. Um, I would have, you know, conversations with Phyllis. She's my co-chair um, regularly about this subject. And Jennifer was, is probably tired of me ringing her back in the day about this subject and how we're going to actually put this into a formal, uh, a formal scenario that can be understood and then create a path that can be followed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think one of the, the ways um, that you're all working together in order to make uh, is obviously a big picture, um, completely as a big picture. But in terms of making coaches better and giving them more reference points, more facility to be able to discuss with one another and grow and, you know, continued personal development is a big, big part of that. And so is that where the the assessment calendar comes in? Because actually having coaches be assessed to say that they are certified as such means that actually anybody listening to this show has something that they can go and look for when they're looking for a new coach or somebody to help them that makes them feel reassured that this person is suitable for to help them. They've gone through the process. They've been to a workshop. At the end of the three-day workshop, you will, with your workshop faculty, you will get a recommendation one way or the other. Yeah, you're ready to go forward, or you need to uh, think about a lower level, or you need to get some mentoring before you um, before you decide to go for assessment. And, and and what happens then? So they then become certified. Now, there's nothing to stop people that maybe don't qualify. Um, or aren't passed as competent, continuing to to train if that's what they want to do. So, as a as a member of the USEA or as a rider, who what what are the questions that I need to ask to make sure that I'm getting the right person that has has been through this process, so that I know that I can take advantage of the the incredible wealth of knowledge and resource that they've got. Jennifer, you want to take that one? Yeah. So I think. Um... So I think that was also one of the purposes of the handbook was so that a rider or a parent could assess whether or not they were receiving the right type of instruction, right? That that what was in the handbook was in fact what they were being taught and yeah. and in the progressive order that they were being taught it. But if you're if you're looking for a US a USEA ECP certified coach, you have only to look at the website uh, and look under um, instruction, and there is a list of ECP certified coaches by region, by area, I should say. So it's quite easy to find one in your area. There may be several in your area, and then you have to decide which one's for you, right? And I always say, um, you know. Uh, go and meet whoever it is you're going to um, you're going to coach with because I think that's important and watch and watch some lessons. But when you when you choose an ECP certified coach, you're choosing somebody who has really demonstrated a commitment to excellence in coaching, safety in coaching, and dedicated themselves to their own continued development as a coach. And I think those are three pieces of a puzzle that uh, just set um, certified coaches above the non, their non-certified counterparts. I think they're really, really important pieces as well. And listeners, um, go go and have a look on the website because it, it gives you a really, really good idea. It gives you the contacts that you need. Um, and I think you will hopefully, if you haven't already find somebody that is able to help, but as well, go onto your dashboard and get stuck into the um 
Eventing Handbook Through the Levels. Now, let's talk about the ECP ECP Symposium, um, because it took place this last week or so. Uh, Robin, just set the scene for us. What is it? Why do you run it, first of all? Why do we run it? Um, We run it because there needs to be a consistent annual place where we all meet and discuss what we should be doing. That starts on the Monday uh, of the said week, which is faculty day. So typically on faculty day, we'll all meet. And we've done this every year since we were put on, the faculty was created in 2003. Um, And we make sure we're on the same page and we make sure that we share experiences. We do some teaching in front of each other. Uh, we discuss different scenarios and situations that have happened to us. We do, we discuss different ways to do things. We find out that we actually agree on most things. We have our own little pet peeves about things. Uh, we've all got to the point where we find a place that we can live with each other <laughs> um, because we're all looking for the same goal. Um, so that would be the start on the first day. Um, when you come into the symposium, Typically, the symposiums were somebody very experienced coming, and it was a demonstration situation. There would be no teaching from faculty or anybody else except the person who was running the symposium. And there would be demonstration riders, the same as we used to go and watch in England. Um, I remember going to Stoneley on multiple occasions over the years, um, and that's how it would run. Um, We decided to change this around because... And I have to say, Jennifer's responsible for this. I was quite skeptical about this because I didn't think it would work. But she had already done a test pilot thing up in in Illinois with Karen to turn it into a more interactive situation, meaning the people that come are actually going to be involved in the decision-making. And that was done as a way to pull out of people their ideas, what they knew. We all separate into groups. And then we have to come up with a plan that they're responsible for. We can guide that as faculty. But then you find out pretty quickly, uh, you know, who's uh, who uh, who is strong, who never who's there's always a couple of people in your group that that don't say anything. And that's okay. So maybe you'll ask them a question what they think. Um, And this will go on over three days. Dressage day, show jumping day, cross country day. And then we have to go out and teach the lesson plan that they decided that we should teach. So it's actually turned out very, very successful in terms of nobody falls asleep halfway through the first morning um, and everybody feels that they are involved and have input into the decision-making of what goes on. And I guess the the purpose of that is for us to be pushing uh, what we want to see. When we do the exams, uh, we've seen Phyllis and I saw quite a lot of that this this summer. We did two assessments this year, one in Illinois and one in California. And you know you've got to be able to you've got to be able to see what's going on in front of you and come up with a plan for improvement. And if you're not able to do that as a coach, um, then to me there is no difference whether you're teaching privately or doing a clinic or uh, trying to pass an exam. <clears throat> uh, you've got to be able to if you miss the boat and what you're saying and what you're doing doesn't relate to what's in front of you, then then there's going to be problems. And that would be the best way I can describe why we do it, because that happens quite a lot. And I think it happens a lot in, we're, a, we're an uncertified sport, meaning that there's no, there's no mandate for certification. 
um, you don't have to do this. You're encouraged to do it. And I, I found it tremendously beneficial over the years, but you don't have to. So as a result, you see very, very good teaching in certain quarters and very, very good riding in certain quarters. And then you see less than good teaching and less than good riding in other quarters. So that format and that idea would be the effort to push the ball forward and to define a standard across the board that is expected. Number one, if you're a certified instructor. And number two, for us to go out there and say, look, guys, we can do this. We are your faculty. So here we go. This is how, yeah, um, this is what we want to see. And I think leading from the front and doing that, rolling your sleeves up and getting on with it and showing that it is possible and it can be done. It's not just something that lives in the hills, in the mists, with a witch who defends it. Um, needs to be something that we continually push forward. So who was the symposium open to? Was it just coaches or could anybody it's else? It's open to everybody. It's open, open to everybody. everybody. I have to admit, I think it would be massively interesting. And when you have that number of people, different coaching styles and different ideas and everything all coming together, actually the amount you can learn from that is absolutely incredible. Um, because certainly I, I certainly find watching other people be taught teaches me a huge amount as well um so it's open to everybody so let's talk about some of the components that were discussed this year um and and i just want to ask you about a couple of them because uh, firstly we'll talk about the psychology aspect because um dr paul hafner was actually on this podcast uh gosh about seven eight months ago back in june i think it was of, of 2022 it's a show that is well worth going back and taking a listen to listeners because there is so much insight into what goes on in our minds and and i think the power of the mind is a huge point and actually that's something robin that i think is that we've become more aware of in recent years, but actually is just a, as an important tool in terms of teaching us how to use our minds as teaching us how to see a stride. I think anybody that says that, the, that riding's not a mental game, um, especially when it comes to, you know, the competition, uh, your competition days and what can go on in a, in a competition day um is needs to review the uh needs to review their their thought process and their opinion because typically what anybody that's competed for any length of time will realize you're going to have at least four things that will happen to you in any given day that you weren't expecting um and your ability to handle them and deal with them um you know can define the and define the whole experience i think that's the same across all sports um i think the reason it's so popular <clears throat> It's because there's a ton of recognition goes on. Um, this year, people were glued to it, and and because he's describing what everybody, even if they don't, uh, even if they don't want to admit it, <laughs> he's describing things that everybody's felt and situations that you know most of us have been in at some stage. Uh, in a way that is, uh, it, it doesn't. There's nothing embarrassing about discussing it. It's it's the way. The way he presents the whole thing is this is what the human this is what the human condition is and this is how you deal with it and what you guys all feel and have to deal with is is how we're wired um, and I think there's a tremendous amount of uh, of recognition in, in 
in what he's saying. And and actually, I think I'm right in saying that he actually offered listeners, um, anybody that was there, a one-to-one session um, throughout the symposium as well to give them the opportunity to kind of talk to him directly, which was an incredible opportunity as well. And I think something that I'm sure lots of people took advantage of. Um, Jennifer, one of the, the biggest things that we, we've seen um, is the introduction of the Emerging Athletes Under-21 programme. Of course, that then feeds into the Emerging Athlete 25 programme. And, and I think these are the riders of the future, but actually it's helping to develop the coaches of the future as well. For sure, because, uh, yes, exactly as you said it, the riders of the future will become the coaches of the future. And the coaches now have to understand how to manage and help these riders of the future. So I think that uh, one of the things we've focused on in recent years in the ECP program is creating synergy between uh, various uh, spokes of the wheel, if you will have it, of our sport. Um, and that's why we were so careful when we developed the handbook to go out and um, uh, connect with various other branches of the sport. And I think particularly in the case of the Developing Riders Program, um, it's really important for us to stay connected to those programs so that we are meeting the needs of the sport overall as a whole um, going forward. And um, I know that for the EA21 program, they use exclusively ECP certified coaches to run it. Uh, It had a very, very successful first year and um, are looking forward to ramping up again for 2023. And I think that um, keeping the lines of communication open between the various programs uh, in USCA is a really big part of um, the road to success. Yeah, they are. And I think these are these are people that we are going to hopefully be able to enjoy within our sport for for many, many years to come. Um, And I think it it gives a real progression for coaches and riders, which is a superb opportunity. Um, One of the other points that I wanted to pick up on, and Robin, I might ask you about this one, was actually a a session that was given by Karen O'Connor, who not only is she a riding legend, but she's a bit of a coaching legend as well. She's very, very passionate about it. And she, she laid out five rider responsibilities that she uses in her own program, but actually applies to all phases. Uh, This context was specifically for show jumping. Um, And it's direction, speed, balance, rhythm and tempo. Outline the emphasis that Karen put on those and give us a bit more of an insight into the kind of thing she spoke about there. Because I think that's something that, you know, we can get a little bit overawed with things feeling quite complicated but actually those are very very simple things and if we get the simple things right hopefully everything else will follow right so i firstly couldn't agree more with with all of it because we all come at this from slightly different angles and slightly different uh, places but the outlining of what the rider is responsible for needs to be directly communicated to the rider otherwise you get off and i'll ride it because I already have an idea of what my responsibilities are. So when Karen outlines that, she flips the script on the rider and gives them the authority to start riding for themselves instead of waiting to be told, which I completely agree with, because when the bell rings, you're on your own. Five, four, three, two, one, and you're on your own. Otherwise, you're eliminated for outside assistance. So to have your riders start to absorb 
everything that you just mentioned and get it into their DNA and practice it uh, consistently and number one and know how to, when it gets deeper, how to practice these concepts. Then you start to create the first thing you're going to do is start, for instance, is start to create a stability in the counter balance and the counter rhythm, which allows you to be consistent <clears throat> down to a fence. Once we, once we get confident on a stable rhythm and a stable balance, then we can start and we can actually stop and go and turn left and right. And we can do that. That's how it starts. For me, that's how it starts to develop. So then you can add the some more of the responsibilities in once those basic things are uh, down. So I think it's a tremendously effective way of, of teaching people because you give them the authority over the process. And I think there's a motivational part here that I think you, you're part of your job, I think, is, is to inspire your students to practice. So for instance, if you started with just a couple of your simple concepts I I want to see next time I see you, I want to see that better. And you define what you expect to see. And then there's an expectation of effort and practicing outside the lesson situation. There's many people come in for lessons. They go home, they ride on their own. I think that's part of giving them things that they've got to get better at and, and, and reviewing it. And then, you know, making judgments and, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and an idea of are we actually getting better? Are we actually improving? Are we? And then you start to peel back a layer of the onion, and you find out where the level of understanding is. And then there's another situation uh, that you can start to build on. Does that make sense? So there's a physical side and a mental side that gets rolled into this is what we should be doing at home. So I thought those responsibilities were great um, because it sets the team, it sets the tone for the whole situation. And for me, I love the expectation of this is what we expect to see. I remember when I was doing the, some of the Grand Prix show jumping things and some of the Irish lads would help me. And there was just an expectation that whatever any advice you got, you were just expected to be able to do it immediately, <laughs> whether you could or not, you know. And I think that is a huge part, both physically and mentally. And I use that a lot because of a, I'll tell you, a situation I, I want to share with you happened in a clinic a couple of years ago when I was up in, um, up in Michigan. And I was, this, this was, I was completely shocked when I found out that my little starter group had decided that they were going to enter an event, three of them. And I said, perfect, let's go around the field. And they didn't want to go. So I asked them the question, how are we going to get around this event if you won't ride around the field and blank stairs? So, we ended up walking around the field um, with me shaking in my boots because I'm thinking there's going to be an ambulance here shortly. And in the end, we were trotting around the field. And in the end, we were popping a couple of little logs. It took almost two hours to get this done. But you wrap that back into what Karen was talking about, about rider responsibilities and therefore coaching responsibilities to make sure that is happening. And you wrap it forward into the other story that should give everybody a good idea of what needs to be going on and the order in which it should occur. There's nothing wrong with holding somebody's hand mentally while they learn their skills and while they and teaching them what's required. But in the end, it comes down to a level of diligence, a level of discipline, a level of practice, a level of focus, the same in any other sport. Um, 
I always say I love watching ice hockey because I love the Detroit Red Wings, right? But I can't skate, so I'm useless. The only thing I'm good for is sweeping the floor in the locker room. And I think that part of our job as coaches and trainers to be able to look at any given situation, define their responsibilities, give it to them and let them run with it and let them practice and let them come back and show you what they've got good at, what they struggle with. And then there's a really productive relationship that starts to develop because it's one that they're in charge of and not simply reliant for all the intellectual property and the emotional effort. That makes sense. It does. It is really empowering, isn't it, for for students and for riders to be able to feel that actually they they kind of are responsible, but they've got the tools in order to make it happen. And it might be a mechanical process in the beginning when you're teaching somebody, but it's our job to turn it into an instinctive process. Yeah. And the people that practice this long enough and and do it often enough, it's a, it's it's um, I have a I have a a young Irish lad that's been with me for a long time, Michael Nolan, and um, he's come a long way since he came here. And it's a it's great satisfaction to see when it's living in the DNA because it's been practiced so much. You don't even have to think about it. That's the that's the end game, isn't it? The I think the probably a one an example that sticks out to me for that is posting the trot. So when you are rising to the trot, as we would refer to it over here in the UK actually at the beginning that is a very very unnatural movement when you're learning to ride as a small child or as an adult that is very unnatural but actually I'd say probably 99.9% of listeners on this show would actually think well I do that without even thinking now that is just something that I do and that's the perfect example yep agreed um right let's just wrap up jennifer i wanted to ask you the the couple of other things that that kind of came out of the symposium that because there was so much content and there was everything from talking about social license um some great different sessions peter gray did a fantastic dressage session as well and i think from from your side you know going forward uh, now the symposium is done and dusted for 2023 what are you most looking forward to about taking forwards into next year's symposium in 2024. Well, I'm super excited to read all of we all of our feedback forms because you know when you when you put get people together and we had 75 plus coaches in the room and you get their um, creative minds salivating, uh, lo and behold, they get out there in idea land and they're full of ideas. And so we had everybody fill out a feedback form for each day of the symposium. And I can't wait to go through those and see what fantastic, creative, innovative, uh, different ways we can bring this idea of um, systematic progressive learning to the coaches and the riders um, all across the country through this symposium. And so uh, that'll be step number one. Uh, we'll be going through the feedback forms and um, hearing what everybody had to say and, and getting their ideas, because I think, um, I think ideas are our life and our growth, and that's how we're going to move forward. And, and I don't necessarily pretend to have all the ideas. So I'm always excited to hear everybody else's ideas. Uh, so that would be number one. Uh, number two is we learn as we go along. And so we're, learning you know what people love people love the interactive uh modules where we break into groups and the groups evaluate riders and come together on a plan for 
what that rider should learn to do next or what would what the lesson plan for that rider should look like that is really going to remain the core successful point in our in our presentation for sure but then the supportive roles that um various demonstrations and um and really really hands-on kind of demonstrations with riders and coaches in real life situations um which we did some of this year uh i think those were also value added um for this year and uh yeah and i think uh I've got some ideas about how we're going to move forward, and I know everybody that participated did as well. So I'm excited to start now to plan for next year. Onwards and upwards. And I would actually say that, listeners, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, um, one, you want to get, you want to go um, to just to watch, whether you're a coach and you think, actually, this is a fantastic opportunity. I want to go and take advantage of some of this knowledge. Um Obviously, keep your eyes peeled. When the dates are announced, they'll all be on the US eventing website. Um, The other thing I was going to say is if you're thinking, actually, this sounds like a really cool opportunity, then there could be opportunities to be a demo rider as well at the symposium. So just keep your eyes peeled later on in the year to see what opportunities might come up, um, because that would just be a fantastic chance to be able to to take advantage and really learn from some of the the great coaching that will be on offer. Robin, Jennifer, thank you both so much because you do an unbelievable amount. I mean, uh, Robin, you describe Jennifer as a bit of a dynamo and that she has a Herculean effort. But I would say that it is right back at you as well because it is a massive, massive team effort and you all do a huge amount in order to drive the sport forward. So first of all, on behalf of everybody, thank you because we absolutely need people who are passionate about making the sport better and driving it forward in that way um and we really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us in a little bit more detail about it but also telling us a bit more about the symposium this year so thank you very much thanks for having us yeah thank you so much for having us nicole and you are absolutely right about robin he is a driving force between us moving forward with this program Well, listeners, if you would like to see the fruits of the labour of these driving forces, uh, then don't forget, go onto your dashboard. You can download the um, eventing handbook through the levels. It is well worth a read. Have a flick through, pick out the bits that are relevant to you. Um, You know, if you're just competing at a certain division, maybe you just want to read up to then whatever you're looking at. It is a really, really useful piece of information and it's right there at your fingertips. So take advantage of it. Um, Keep your eyes peeled, of course, for the ECP Symposium next year. And there are tons of really cool um, assets and some much more in-depth articles on some of the sessions from this year's symposium on the website. So go and take a look at those and you can read more about them if you weren't able to attend. Uh, For now, though, big, big thank you for listening. And next time on the USCA podcast, it is the Valentine special, one of the most awaited podcasts of the year, I think. Um, 2022's was a smash hit. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's a good it's a good one. So we'll be back with more very soon. But thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.